Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and um, hey, I'm 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by G. Hey, Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing? I mean, I couldn't be happier. What a game. What a game. Dodgers winning game one. And in the rain, by the way, just like to put, how put bad that was on it? How bad was it raining? You know, because I had never seen the tarp on Dodger Stadium on the field. So once the game was over, they put the tarp and then I found out why, because, you know, um, following the game, downpour, thunderstorm. So uh, was it a sprinkle? Was it a drizzle? Was it a mist? Was it truly raining? Yeah, it was kind of more of a drizzle. I mean, yeah. it wasn't really rain, but I mean, this is LA. Well, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, a drizzle, a drizzle is rain, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. um, but yeah, no, it was it was so great. It was still so great to see everybody was still there. Yeah. Right. I mean, you had a few people leave. Um, maybe in the seventh when it started, really, it actually started raining. But then after that, everybody stayed. So it was awesome. By the way, it was, um, and maybe because it was the rain or maybe because of something else. You're right, G. I mean, the people stayed till, I mean, normally fans, certainly at, you know, game one of the division series, leave during the during the seventh. Um, I, I covered the game. I did post game, the press conferences, clubhouse, stuff like that. Leaving the game, it was still bumper-to-bumper traffic. So, I mean, that tells me people stayed, uh, which is very rare here in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, absolutely. It probably took a good half an hour for um, my friend and I to get out of Dodger Stadium. So, And by the way, shout-out to um, the Dodgers staff for that amazing Vince Scully tribute. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. wonderful. It amazing. was really, really cool. Yeah, I'm also doing well. Um I am not going to lie to you guys. I'm very excited for Thursday night football tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> commanders and Bears. So, yeah. No, so. <laughs> that game might even be worse than last week's game, although it's hard to beat two anemic offenses that can't do anything. But let's see. Maybe. Who knows? I'm, I'm hoping the Bears win because, you know, the Commanders are just the team to beat up on this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, Thursday night football, you know, used to have the worst games. And then the, 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 there was this turn where they finally were like, all right, like, let's put some good games. I mean, Commanders and Bears, come on now. That's a, it's a ridiculous uh, matchup. That's kidding. I'll be watching whatever. It's uh, Thursday night. Well, actually, I probably won't be watching, I'll, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. With all that said, let's get to today's headlines brought to you by the Sporting Tribune. The Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no clickbait, no pop-ups, just your favorite teams and a clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. Hit it, Jihei. Well, let's start with the amazing Dodgers, guys. The Dodgers beat the Padres 5-3 behind a strong offensive start. 
They jumped out to a 5-0 lead, but the Padres did score three runs in the top of the fifth and made it a um, close game late. In the end, though, um, Julio Urias and the bullpen did just enough to hold on. How important is it for the Dodgers to continue to hit at a high level in this series, guys? It's 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 huge. I mean, listen, I mean, like they had this amazing five to nothing lead in the press box. Everyone's talking about a sweep. Everyone's talking about that that this series is over. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's call, let's calm down a little bit. Five nothing lead in the top of the fifth. Uh, but that's all the runs the Dodgers scored. I'm not saying that they have to score, you know, ten runs per game, uh, but it's going to be key for them to continue to hit, continue to hit well. Uh, you know, that that continues tonight in game two. Listen, I mean, obviously if, if, if they find a way uh, to win tonight, really put them in a position to have that sweep. And I talked to Gavin Lux about this, and by the way, he had to play the game. That the double play, um, you know, really kind of shifted the momentum when the Padres scored three runs, but I, I basically was talking to him about, compare last season to this season, where you grind out a 162-game season right up until the last game of the season, thinking you want to win the division. You don't want the Giants to win the division. So, so they won 106 games or something like that, which is a crazy number, to not even win the division. The Giants won. And then you have to play a do-or-die elimination game against the Car- against the Cardinals and have to win in walk-off fashion. And then you go to the division series against the Giants when you have to go on the road, lose game one of that series, have to find a way to claw back, win game five with, with, with you know, uh, Scherzer closing it out. And by the time that the championship series came around, they were totally drained. And in, in, in again, he didn't say that they got the series wrapped up. But when you win 111 games and you wrap up the division with a month plus left in the season and you get five days off and you win game one, you can breathe a little bit. And so it's going to be key for them. I'm not saying that, you know, game two is a must win game, but if they can get through this series sweep or a four game series, and then in the other uh, games, which we'll t- talk about, you know, if if the Braves have to grind, like even if the Braves don't lose, right? Like if they have to play a grueling five-game series, that helps. Absolutely. Yeah. No, Dodgers are in a great position. Yeah. I also um, really want to applaud the bullpen because Urias, I really thought he was going to basically give up one or no earned runs throughout the course of the game, but fifth inning there he struggled but then the bullpen comes in and they don't give up a run the rest of the game and we've been talking about yesterday Craig Kimbrell gets left off of the postseason roster and the biggest question mark all season who's going to step in and close in a big moment and I mean it was a two run game ninth inning pressure moment and Chris Martin comes in and gets the save so the Dodgers can use, even though it's the postseason, they can use these reps as much as they can get them because the, the moments are just going to keep getting more and more intense. So the fact that the bullpen performed yesterday, I think is a really good sign going forward. Also, I, I yeah, yeah, no, I think we have to bring up too how important Trey Turner is, not just for this year, but future years. They can't let him walk like the rumors say. To the, to the Phillies or the East Coast or whatever people are saying about that. They really need to re-sign him. We saw how important he was to that 
five, you know, that initial five run lead. Um, obviously, Mookie is important, but, you know, when Freeman, Mookie, and the other guys are going 0 for 10, and you have to rely on Trey and Will Smith and all, you know, younger guys. I mean, it's, man, Trey is so important, and it's crazy. They were still up 5 nothing, and Mookie didn't hit, Freddie didn't hit, and that, that's scary for opposing teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, being able to have all those weapons is definitely a coup, right? I mean, and that's something that the Lakers, or Lakers, that the Dodgers have always had. Um, so, and I, I know that they're going to adjust and they're going to figure out, you know, how to probably keep him. But, I mean, it is it is only game one, so it's, I, I think everybody still needs to pump the brakes. And um, even, though it's, even though it was a wonderful win, I still think people need to kind of pump the brakes. And I think they'll make those adjustments, um, hopefully as the um, series continues. Well, guys, the Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr announced on Tuesday that Draymond Green has been fined but not suspended for punching teammate Jordan Poole in practice. Um, Kerr actually was quoted saying he is going to be coming back to practice on Thursday. He has been fined. He will not be suspended. I expect him to play Friday in our last preseason game and on opening night. What are your thoughts um, on kind of this non-punishment with uh, with Draymond? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, listen, when when a story leaks out, generally nothing happens. But when you see the video, and, and, and this is the fascinating thing about our culture, like even if the story was exactly right, like even if I described to you in specific detail what happened, when you finally see it yourself, it changes everything. So I thought for sure when the video leaked out, when we saw the video, and we saw a pretty, you know, I mean, that that was not a, a slight punch. I mean, he came after him. Um, my view, there was no way that there, there could not have been some kind of su- suspension because what the heck are you doing? You're effectively saying another teammate can assault his teammate and no suspension. I don't know what the fine is, but I mean, it's probably not a ton. Um, I have a problem there. Um, I think the reason that they handled it this way, obviously, they're dealing with a very delicate situation. There is no doubt Jordan Poole will get paid. And I definitely think that there's no doubt Draymond Green will not. And I think that there may be a chance that if uh, he's going to walk, like maybe you trade him or something like that. I mean, this is a very fascinating situation because you're talking about the, the defending champions. You're talking about one of the key players, one of the core guys for one of the greatest teams in league history. But he 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 really went after Jordan Poole. I mean, it's one thing if they're pushing and shoving and both guys punch. I mean, Jordan Poole didn't see that coming. That was a cheap shot, I thought. And so, I mean, for, for him not to get... Now, the hard thing about a suspension, right, is that you obviously want Draymond there the first game of the season. You want him to be part of the ring ceremony and the championship banner and all that good stuff. So I think it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know how they handle it because, I, I again, Draymond is not at the height of his career at this point. Jordan Poole clearly is about to become a star if he's not already there. So, yeah, weird, odd, fascinating situation. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. I, I think the Warriors are such a tight knit group. Obviously, Draymond and Poole had their struggles. We saw that. Draymond didn't necessarily handle it 
amazingly going and doing his PBAB podcast right after and kind of not addressing it until, you know, the presser where he was like, oh, I watched it 15 times. It wasn't right. All that stuff. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not surprised at all because the Warriors have always been like a family. And I'm sure by this point, maybe it's not solved between Draymond and Poole. But it's probably like, look, we just won a championship. Let's go win another one. You know, I'm sure Draymond apologized profusely. I don't know what Poole was saying. A lot of things can get heated on the basketball court. Like Jihei said, I'm not saying it's for the show. I'm not saying it's right. But like fights happen all the time. Like Aaron Donald wasn't suspended for taking off his helmet and hitting a, a Bengals player in practice, right? Like in preseason. Um, so I, look, this is an internal thing. The Warriors have the right to either suspend them or not and at the end of the day they want to win and Arash you bring up a good point Poole's the future Draymond's the past I wouldn't say he's washed but the really the only thing he's good at now is defense and passing it's not like he can score like he used to not that he ever could at, at an elite level but he, he can't score as much he can't I mean it's just hard for him he's getting older so obviously they would side with Poole but I'm sure Poole is in was in these conversations saying I'm fine with Draymond coming back like you know let's go win a championship because they're they're definitely going to side with their their future their Steph 2.0 you know their future guy yeah I completely agree Brandon and but honestly um I, I definitely agree that they they asked Poole for his opinion, but I think it's just downright embarrassing that they set the precedent that this doesn't deserve at least a few game suspension. In uh, in 2017, the Bulls suspended Bobby Portis for eight games for punching Nikola Mirotic in the face at practice. Very similar incident. We just don't have the video of it. It was up to the Warriors, so I mean, if they decided that it wasn't deemed worthy of a punishment, I guess then, you know, more power to them. But what kind of precedent does this set for? I'm not even looking at around the rest of the league, but like you guys are professional athletes and you have high school players, college players that have all seen this video. And now you're saying, oh, I mean, fights happen at practice. It's just something that... Um, we can kind of just look past, but what Draymond did was basically a sucker punch. And honestly, um, the crazy thing about that, I don't know if you guys saw, but Draymond's mom went on Twitter, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and she defended Draymond saying that she didn't think it was a sucker punch. And basically she got ratioed on Twitter for saying that she didn't think it was. But I mean, there's obviously some sort of disconnect still there, at least amongst the family members, because if I was Jordan Poole's mother or father or whoever, and I read that, you know, that Draymond's mom did not think it was a sucker punch, I would feel some type of way because it clearly was. I mean, Poole was not expecting to be punched in the jaw, but I mean, I guess it's all in the past, according to Golden State. Yeah, I think unfortunately it's a parental thing, right? Because you want to stand up for your kid. Um, and I think no matter what they do, that's still their child, right? At the end of the day, I mean, I can't really 100% relate, but I'm assuming that that's kind of the way it is, right? You know, Jordan Poole's parents are going to feel that kind of way and be like, protect their child. And then Draymond's mother is going to feel the exact same way. So, um, again, I don't agree with the non-suspension. I... Uh, he did not disclose the fine so we don't know how much Draymond got fined um, 
Yeah, the, no, this is no matter what the fine would have been though, it wouldn't have been anything crazy because I, I think right. like with the with the players union and the league, I mean you, you could you, you can only find them so much and and again Draymond's made however much in his career. So I mean the fine is that that's why you're one hundred percent right, G. It's a non punishment. I mean the only punishment would have been a game suspension, two game suspension. Um and um Herman, I know you have a point, but but also Explain what happened in Chicago with Bobby Portis. I mean, there was like a 10-game suspension there. Yeah, it was an 8-game suspension. I believe, if I remember correctly, he actually broke Miritich's eye socket. So it was a big deal. It was just not recorded. So people didn't really understand the severity of it. But afterwards, I mean, there was obviously a disconnect amongst those guys. But um, the question I was going to ask is... Obviously, there's a lot of speculation. Trey Young tweeted it out that Draymond, you know, is setting his way up to a path to the Lakers. Um, obviously, you know, we talk about the Lakers all the time. Is that something that you guys would like to see, Draymond Green, as a member of the Lakers? I would love to see that. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, this is, first of all, him and LeBron have this amazing connection now. He's been on the shop and he's a clutch sports guy and all that. At the end of the day, it's a little bit like Pet Bev, although, listen, Draymond is way better than Pat Bev. But what you're talking about is a championship guy, changes the culture of your team. Listen, he has baggage. The baggage really comes from, listen, I've given so much to this franchise, and the writing is on the wall. It is very clear. Jordan Poole is in line for a massive payday. Draymond Green will not get that payday. And whether Jordan Poole's putting it in his face, whether he's talking at practice, whatever the case may be, sometimes in that situation, if you just remove Draymond from there and he comes to a new team and again, brings that championship culture, brings that mindset. I mean, who knows how this all happens, but I mean, how amazing would a Pat Bev, Draymond Green team, I mean, that team would get under your skin. And I don't know if that's a contending team or not, but yeah, I mean, Pat, I mean, Pat Bev is, is, is that kind of guy. Draymond Green is next level that guy. He is, I mean, he's really one of the great championship role players. And I know he's more than that, but I mean, he's, he is so key to that team's success. And not only that, he's one of the best defenders in the NBA, right? Still, that's what we'll give him credit for. Whether his offensive game goes completely down the drain or not, he's one of the better defenders we've seen in the past 30 years. So that's important. How would that let me let's just I mean again, this is probably not gonna happen, but if you're a team like the Warriors, um, like, is there a scenario where Draymond gets traded this season? Is there a scenario where he could end up with the Lakers? I mean, if you're the Warriors and you're just, I mean, if, if you can get a, a first round pick or stuff, because yeah, in my view, I, I don't know how many teams are, are like what the, the trade market would be. But play this out for me, guys. I mean, in, the, in our last two. It's it's difficult because Draymond's contract is 27 million oh, or 26 yeah. million. So to match it, if you're the Lakers, you don't really have the Westbrook contract to match it with. So it's hard to get to that number. Yeah. But um, I mean, it, it's possible that it happens somewhere around the league. I just think that that number is going to be hard to match. But I completely disagree with you guys. I think that Draymond Green, well, I agree with what Brandon said earlier that he's nearing or he is washed. If the Lakers <laughs> acquire Draymond Green, it can turn into Russell Westbrook 2.0, especially if they give him a contract that's like, 20 25 million for multiple years 
this guy, as good as he's been, has been a distraction for the past like two years and the Warriors have just put up with it. But if you take him to a different scenario where the guys are not as friendly and it's more toxic and it's more hostile, things can go really south. And don't forget that during the finals, the whole discussion was, can we even play Draymond Green? Because he looks like he's costing us games. He's not giving us anything offensively. So this makes perfect sense for Rob Polinka and the Lakers. Why not? Go ahead. Go and do it, Rob. <laughs> um, I, I can't say what Rob told me about the specific situation, but I think he agrees with most of everyone around the league that, listen, Jordan Poole will get paid. Draymond Green will not. And at the end of the day, that that, that, that probably means, listen, if you're the Warriors, I think it would be smart. It would behoove you to try to get something for Draymond rather than allow him to walk. Certainly, if, if, if you don't think that this situation um, can continue with, with, with Poole and Draymond Green being on the same team. Okay, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Grant Mona. When we return on the mightier Ted 90 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the, the, the uh, Sporting Tribune guest hotline right now. Uh, let's talk to our main man, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, it's good to uh, be on. There's a lot of uh, good playoff baseball going on. The Dodgers kind of did something pretty cool last night. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time for sports right now. Exactly. Big game last night. Big game today. The Dodgers winning 5-3. Uh, to three. Grant, uh, you know, it looked like it could be a, a blowout. 5-0 to zero lead in the top of the fifth there. Padres gain the momentum. Score three runs, but the Dodgers close it out. Looking to uh, gain a 2-0 uh, lead. Uh, tonight with Kershaw um, on the mound. Uh, Grant, your your thoughts on uh, game one? Yeah, um, you know, going into the game, I was really confident, you know, with, with Clevenger on the mound and the, the Dodgers offense. And, you know, Trey Turner got it started with a huge blast. Um, you know, and you have Urias on the mound who, you know, we know how good he is and we know how, you know, potent he is as he can be that number one pitcher. And he kind of showed that for about five, four and two thirds, you know, until he got into trouble in that fifth. Um, you know, the Padres just cut, it was the third time around the lineup, you know, the Padres, they're too good of a team to not, you know, get to them at least for a couple runs. So, you know, I was still, still pretty happy with how, um, Udias pitched. Um, he, he pitched really well to keep them in contention. You know, like I said, the offense, even with Freddie Freeman going over, they still put the bat on the ball. They put the ball in play a lot. Um, you know, they didn't try to go for that home run swing. Yeah. Trey Turner got a pitch to hit and he, put it out but you know it was, it was more swings to you know get balls and gaps get guys over and I think that's playoff baseball and that's what the Dodgers were lacking in the past was kind of that that 
small ball type mentality where you don't have to hit that big home run. You can just spread the ball around, get guys on, get them over and get them in. And that was their mentality yesterday. And yeah, their offense slowed a little bit, which is kind of concerning. That's like probably my main concern is that the offense slowed down after that, like third, fourth inning. You can't do that against some of these better teams like the Padres. Their bullpen shut them down. Padres bullpen's nothing to, to gawk at. So, you know, you, you have to understand that. You know, yes, they scored five runs. Yes, it was a great start, but you got to finish. You got to get those insurance runs later in the game. So I'm pretty, you know, a win's a win. You're up one nothing. It's a good thing to do. But you got to understand, like, if you get to that next round, you play, say, the Braves or even the Phillies. The Phillies pitching sounds really good. You have to be consistent with your run scoring or else, you know, you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. Hey, Grant, we're less than a week away from Clippers basketball season. I know we're going to go to some games together. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what do you want to see tonight from, from the Clippers in a preseason game? And the Lakers, twofold question, both of them. I think, obviously, the Lakers, we want to see a little bit more from them since there's more questions about them. But uh, from both sides, what are you, what are you looking at uh, tonight in the third or fourth preseason game, rather, for these teams? Yeah, yeah, this is the Clippers' last preseason game. They only get four um, as opposed to the Lakers' six. Um, but, you know, the Clippers, I, I think, you know, that that first starting unit, they're still kind of figuring out who's going to be that starting point guard. Now, by all accounts, John Walls looked amazing. He looked amazing last game. He had 20 points, three assists. Um, he had a couple turnovers, which is why they're kind of still iffy about it. But um, I think Ty Lue said yesterday, like, it's the, the cohesiveness isn't there yet. And I think that's a something that I've seen too, where yes, everyone's great individually, but you can't just play individually. You got to play together and you got to have that cohesive offensive unit, especially as the first unit. So I think, you know, getting those, getting the guys, not great minutes, but minutes enough to where they can find them, find a groove, they can get a flow going in the offense, Look, the defense is going to be fine. And, you know, they went to that all wing five lineup with Covington, Batum, Morris, Kawhi and PG as their five. And that's actually lethal, but the ball handling was a little bit off. And that's something that Ty Lue said was, you know, the ball handling wasn't where we wanted to be in that lineup. So there's still a lot of you know little things to work out. It's not, you know, like Kawhi said it, you know, before, it's not going to be something that just happens like that. It's going to be a process. These guys are going to have to get used to playing with each other again. Look at Kawhi's and played in 15 plus months. So, um, you know, it, this preseason game is, they should get it right this game. They should you know, Tyloo should put them in for, for a little bit longer, see different lineups. You know, they still need to get that cohesiveness. And in terms of the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers have actually surpassed my expectations of how I thought they'd look. And that, that was without Troy Brown Jr., who I know, you, Brandon, you don't like, but he's a very good defender. That's without Schroeder, you know. And, look, you, you put those two guys in that, that bench lineup, it makes it a little bit better. I'm not saying it's one of the top benches in the league, but – you know, they, they look a lot better in that starting unit. Russell Westbrook's getting to the rim. You know, I want to see them be cohesive in this lot. I don't know if this is the last game. I think it's their cup. They have a couple more after this, but I want to see them that first unit. I want to see them together again. I, I, I think they need more minutes. I don't, I don't know why they sat out the last two games. I understand rest, but you know, I think I, I need to see a little bit more from that first unit to see how they can kind of gel together with Anthony Davis. Cause Anthony Davis didn't play with, 
Westbrook and LeBron in the last one. So I really, I'm really excited for the Lakers, actually. I, I think they, they're going to be uh, a little bit better than people are thinking. Uh, so, Grant, your uh, Dodgers are there right in the playoffs, t- taking a one-game lead in the division series. Your Clippers are, you know, now when you look at what's happening with the Warriors, perhaps maybe the championship favorites. But we got to talk about your uh, Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. They're 2-3, they're, uh, and three, not looking good. Uh Los Angeles being a fickle uh, town, and I can say that, listen, I love Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles. Um, And again, partly, this is partly who they're playing, but still, you're you're talking about the defending Super Bowl champions. Grant, you can go to the game on Sunday for $40. Cheapest parking pass is $100. Your thoughts on the current state of the Los Angeles Rams? Well, you know, I've I've said this on shows past, you know, is that I I expected a hangover, a Super Bowl hangover, but I got to mention, I did not see it being this bad. I mean, I I didn't think that the offensive line would be tarnished like it is. I didn't think that, you know, Allen Robinson would be as, as, you know, ineffective as he is. Um, You know, it, it just seems way off. I don't know. You know, Matthew Stafford, people are putting a lot of blame on him. I mean, the dude only has a second to throw before he's tackled, before he's sacked, before anything. So, you know, it's really hard to get the ball out to anyone else. I mean, it, Cooper Cup's very good off of his routes. That's why, you know, he throws to him a lot is because Cooper Cup is really good off his routes. He gets out quick. He gets to his route quick. You know, yes, they have to spread the ball around, but I don't blame Matthew Stafford for that. I mean, he's got one to two seconds. I mean, we've seen it time and time again this year is that, he drops it back and he already has to scramble. He already has to throw it in the dirty. He's got to do something. So that offensive line, I don't see a path to where it gets any better. I mean, they just signed uh, Skura from from the practice squad as as a new center. That that'll be Matthew Stafford's fourth center in five weeks, which is not ideal. <laughs> so you know, you want to get cohesiveness, but you really can't because that offensive line's been in and out. There's been guys switching positions from left guard to right tackle to center to guard. So you know, there's a lot of talk about OBJ, you know, probably going back to the Rams. Honestly, I, I don't know why he, I mean, I could understand why you do that from a lifestyle perspective. You go back to LA, you're familiar with the team, but if he wants to be on a very, very good contender, if he wants to contend for a Super Bowl, I mean, the Bills are a good option. The Packers are a good option. Even Baltimore is a great option for him. So the Rams shouldn't be set on getting him back. They're not, you know, they shouldn't be, oh, yeah, we'll get him back and then we'll be fine. No, man, like he's actually got choices this year. Um, and, you know, there, there comes a point where you got to, like, you got to figure something out. You got to either make a move for an offensive lineman or you got to at least switch something out. You got to you got to start doing something else because it's not on McVay either. It's just this this roster when it's built for such a star heavy roster that depth is thin. And when you get hurt like they are this year, it's it's tough to to get back. And you know, like I said, the, the NFC, the Eagles are be, are great this year. The Niners are really good. The Cowboys' defense is even good. So yes, it's not as top heavy as it was last year, but there's some good teams in there where you gotta you gotta kind of start piecing it together. Now it's week six. Yeah, I mean, I don't fully agree with you, Grant, that it's not not completely McVay's fault. But um, but I will I I will give him a little a little bit of credit that that O line is not really doing their job like we thought that they would, right? But I want to go back to the Clippers because this show doesn't get a lot of Clipper love. Um, I um had a I had a um. I don't I don't want to say we we had an argument, but we we definitely Armand and I definitely got into it um yesterday about the Clippers and uh you know their championship hopes. Um I said they will win the West 
if they are fully healthy? Do you believe that they will go further than winning the West if they are fully healthy, or just in general if they will win the they'll win it all? Or where, where are your uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I've always said that health is the main issue and the main key and, and all that stuff. But, you know, the more and more that I see basketball around this league, you know, especially in preseason, I'm starting to see how much talent there really is. I mean, you go down the list of West teams, you have the Nuggets who are going to be just as healthy as the Clippers, and they even added uh, KCP. You go to the Mavericks, they added Christian Wood, um, and they already have Luka. They, they're getting Tim Hardaway back. The Suns are always good because Chris Paul and Booker, I know a lot of people are off on the Suns, but they're, they're still going to be good. I mean, I don't, I don't really, their bench is thin, but they're still going to be good. The Warriors are the Warriors, and there's an internal conflict there, but I don't expect that to, to really hinder their performance on the court, honestly. Um, so, you, you know, that's four teams already. Then you go, you know, Pelicans, Grizzlies, who are both pretty, you know, the Pelicans are going to be awesome. They, they're like a dark horse finals contender. The Grizzlies are always good. That's already seven teams that you got to go through or that you got to play that are going to be competing for that same thing as the championship. So I'm not, you know, yes, the Clippers are built for winning a championship. I'm not saying that they're, they're not going to do it, but you got to understand that competition in this league is at its highest and it's not guaranteed. Even if healthy, it's not guaranteed. You've got to be on your best ball. And I think that's why you got to see a lot of these rotation guys getting, getting together, having consistent flow, getting more minutes together. You need to see more of cohesiveness because that's what all these t- the Warriors, they got together. They had a rough stretch. They got into the playoffs and they were together. They were cohesive. They made that run. So I think that, you know, take the regular season, not load management, but take it as a kind of kind of like a preseason. Get things together. Get it going. So when you hit the playoffs, when you hit that stride, yes, you'll be healthy, but you can also – going there saying okay we know what our identity is we know what our lineups are let's go out and do it grant uh what are your thoughts on the eastern conference in terms of teams that you think will be competing yeah the the eastern conference is probably on the level of the west in terms of talent in terms of teams maybe even better this year um you know you can go eight nine deep into that Eastern Conference with picks and say, you know, six of them are probably contenders. Obviously, you have the Nets, you have the Bucks, you have the Celtics, the Sixers. Those are probably probably be my top four. You know, after that, you have the Raptors, the Hawks got better, um, the Cavaliers, they got Donovan Mitchell, they're going to be better. You know, like that's seven already that I've already mentioned And the Knicks. I think the Knicks will be better. The Pistons will be a lot better. Um, you have all these teams that you know, just like the West, you got to go through in the playoffs. So any one of those top four will be knocked out at some point. And, you know, you got to understand, like, even with the, the the health history of the Nets, they're still one of the more, more formidable teams. They got even better. So, you know, my top four would probably be the Bucks, the Celtics, the Nets, and the Sixers for sure. And then I'd put the Cavaliers and the Raptors and the Heat even. I even didn't even mention the Heat. The Heat. I, they're a little on the older side, so I'm not really expecting them to be, you know, one of these powerhouses in the regular season. But you get into the postseason, the Heat are always lethal with Jimmy Butler. So the Eastern Conference is just as big of a formidable thing to the West as it is vice versa. So um, the East is going to be highly entertaining. This is why I said, you know, the league is at its highest talent in, that we've seen in years. And, you know, then we're just going to add Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson to that and make it even better. It's like, and Chet Holmgren's going to come back next year. So this league is, is in awesome hands, but 
the, the, the depth of talent and the depth of the teams this year is just off the charts. Like everyone has to be on their A game for you to make it to the deeper rounds in the playoffs. Yeah, Grant. By the way, I'm all in on the Cavs. I think they could go to the East Finals. I mean, you add, you bring up a great point, but you add uh, Evan Mobley, another year of progress, Darius Garland, uh, Jared Allen, who was an all star, Kevin Love, still a sniper. And then you add Donovan Mitchell and you get Ricky Rubio back. I mean, this is definitely a team that could see a Memphis Grizzlies type of ascension this season. But I wanted to ask you. How confident, I know you brought, we brought up the Rams before, but how confident are you that they could beat a probably adamant Panthers team that wants to win with P.J. Walker, no coach, they maybe want to go out there and shock the world and try and do something different with a new play caller. How confident are you the Rams win this game? I mean, I I am confident just because it's the Panthers, and that's no no like you know we you know we got to understand it's the Panthers. Yes, the, they just fired the coach. Yeah, they're probably going to be motivated, but I think a lot of a lot of it rides on the quarterback. Baker Mayfield's out, and PJ Walker's in. I actually like PJ Walker better than Baker Mayfield at this point. Um, so that's kind of like a, you know everyone's talking about oh Baker Mayfield's out. It's going to be an easy win for the Rams. P.J. Walker's kind of good, and he's proven that in spurts. I'm not saying that he's going to be all-world. He's not going to be elite, but that dynamic quarterback gives the Rams fits a lot. You know, when you have a guy that can escape the pocket, and, you know, the Panthers, they're going to have something to prove, man. They just lost their coach, like you said. They're going to come out with something something extra, for sure. And we've seen that with teams in the past. They fire the coach, and they get a big win the next week. You know, the Raiders did it um, last year. You know, they fired Gruden, and all of a sudden they went on this winning streak. So, you know, the Rams got to be careful. Look, any, any team in the town, like, like the, the saying goes, any given Sunday, it's true. Any given Sunday, you can't just not show up a week. Can't just say, Oh, it's the Panthers. Like Draymond Green said, Oh, we don't get up against the bad teams. You can't take that mentality in the NFL. It's any given Sunday. So yeah, they they got to be careful. Look, use this, use this time, use this game as a get back game. Cause you have this game, you have your bye week coming up soon use this game as something that you can have a building block on. You know, you don't, don't just go in here saying, Oh, okay, we'll go through the motions. No, enforce it, make it a point, you know, get out into a big lead, play some great defense, get back to that Rams football that we saw last year. And I think that, you know, use this game as that, but don't, don't take this team lightly, man. They still have talent. You know, every team in the NFL has some talent, but you know, just some more than others. So don't take it lightly, but it's not going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I just think it's going to be like a comfortable win. Uh, Grant, there's a lot of talk about, obviously, the pro football teams here in Los Angeles with what's happened with the Rams and the uh, Chargers, but we are sort of the hotbed now for college football. We got USC, top uh, six, top ten in the country. UCLA right there, number 11. I never thought that we would say that. Your your thoughts on not only these two teams, these two quarterbacks, which is the best team, which is the best quarterback right now? Well, USC is the better team. I think <laughs> I think we all know that right now. Um, USC is the better team. Caleb Williams is the truth. I mean, that guy's absolutely sensational. Um, but the fact that that USC's defense stepped up last week, yes, they played Washington State, but they held Washington State scoreless for the last 43 minutes of the game, which is absolutely insane. That's kind of what we've wanted to see from USC. Yeah, they've been getting a lot of turnovers. They've been getting bailed out by those turnovers, but we wanted to see a dominant showing. That's what we saw last week. You know, this team's 6-0 and for the first time since Pete Carroll's 2006 run. And, you know, it's really good to be back, honestly. It feels <laughs> awesome. Um, but you got to understand, look, UCLA, they 
played Utah. They're, you know, a lot of people were saying Utah was going to win that game. You know, UCLA, they've played not as good competition. UCLA went, you know, went in there and, and proved that they're, they, they're a pretty good team this year. Um, they're 11th now. They're 18th last week. They just keep moving up and up and up and up. And, you know, DTR is pretty good. I think yeah. we can understand that from UCLA. He's, he's, he's the truth, too. But my main concern is their defense. Yeah, they did very well against Utah, but you know their defense at times is shown to get a little bit bad in the second half. They kind of t- you know play that prevent offense, which kind of hinders their their line and and helps them get to the quarterback, which they kind of move away from. Um, so UCLA, I'm really not worried about their offense. They have a great one-two punch. Um, but you know, like I said, defense, especially when you get towards these bowl games, when you get into these conference games. Um, you know, it's going to be very crucial, but you know, USC is the better team for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm just really excited that we have these two programs at such a high level this year. It, it's just so amazing for, for not just, not just college football, but, but for LA as well. You know, you have two compete, you know, it makes people want to watch college football again and, uh, around here because, you know, you have the Rams, you have the Lakers playing still, you have the Dodgers in the playoffs. It kind of brings more attention to that college football right and it's a rivalry you know we all know usc ucla is a rivalry so having these two teams playing at such a high level i think that usc ucla game is going to be something special i said this a couple weeks ago but now it's probably going to be even more special grant i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but let's just assume that usc does beat utah let's assume that they go on and they run the table i want to know is there a scenario now with you have a Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, even Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Penn State. Is there a scenario where USC runs the table and still doesn't get in the college football playoffs? Well, yeah, I, I'd say there is a chance because I've seen it happen before where, you know, USC kind of gets the short end of the stick in some of these instances and, you know, some of these SEC schools get in. You know, I, I do, th- but, you know, there's something about it. I, I've watched some of these top four schools, these, these schools that are actually in the top four, and some of these games are, are a lot closer. I know USC, you know, barely beat Oregon State, and that, but, you know, Oregon State's a very good, you know, football program. But some of these, you know, Alabama's now, you know, they, they've had two close calls in a row almost. So, you know, it, it's um, it's going to be something special. I do think that they can get in, though. I do think USC, if they run the table, they have a very good clear path to get in no no doubt about it my my personal view no doubt if usc runs the uh, table especially where they're at and what they've done they are going to be in that college football playoff by the way the championship game will be at sofi this year grant you're the best we'll talk to you soon that's all the time we have for today let's do it again tomorrow until then this is arash markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.